And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gizmondi. Nothing I can see but you when you Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gizmani, and welcome to today's show. It's the Labor Day holiday long weekend, and wherever you are across the province, we hope you're having a spectacular time. We've got plenty of interesting discussion planned for you today, and it begins in Italy. Robin Shea, export manager for Poggio Altisoro, a project in Bulgari by the Allegrini family, joins us to talk about what's special about these red blends from Bulgari. Debbie Woodward, co-owner of Provato Vineyard and Winery, Talk to us about her legacy and her husband as they uh, pass on uh, the winery to the next generation. DJ Carney, a WSET instructor and director of wine at the Terminal City Club, joins us as the National Wine Awards judge to talk about bronze medals. But up next, Ian Dick, co-owner of the Cannery Brewing, and Leon Payton, co-owner of Slackwater Brewing, join us to talk about the beer culture in and around the town of Penticton. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and we are set to go after these messages. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visit Penticton.com. The largest, most extensive collection of British Columbia wines is at Save on Foods. Over 1,300 to choose from. Nowhere else comes close to the selection of BC VQA wines you'll discover at 22 different Save on Foods stores across our province, including the brand new Sunwood Square location, now open in Coquitlam. And right now, pick up four bottles and get 10% off. See for yourself the unmatched selection of British Columbia wines with Wines of BC at Save on Foods, now open in Coquitlam. Visit saveonfoods.com. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax, with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia, from CFAX 1070 in Victoria to Bounce Radio Golden and all 18 other cities across the province. Listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, 
Our guests are not wine today, they're beer. Ian Dick is the co-owner of Cannery Brewing, and Liam Payton is the co-founder of Slackwater Brewing. Gentlemen, uh, how are you today? Not bad. Enjoy the cold beer in the beautiful Okanagan, as we do quite frequently. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, beautiful, Liam and it's a pleasure to chat with you. Well, it's fun to have you guys on the line. Uh, maybe we could start with uh, a little little perspective about your brewery. So maybe, Ian, we'll start with uh, Cannery Brewing. Give us a, a quick rundown. Yeah, we're uh, we're a little bit long in the tooth, as we say, as, uh, as far as the BC craft beer industry goes, which is, is relatively young. We brewed our first batch of beer April Fool's Day, 2001. Okay. That is good. That, 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 that's 20 years ago. Yeah. Time flies. And Liam, what about Slackwater? Uh, I think we brewed our first batch about 18 years after that. I think it was uh, June 2019. We opened doors, started brewing in April 2019. So just over three years old now. So you're the new kid on the block, so to speak. Uh, there's been two other breweries open since we, <laughs> we have, so... Uh, our city's exploded a little bit recently. I think there's eight of us now. We were six slash seven. We opened, we were opening around the same time as our neighbor's neighborhood brewing. Uh, they just had a right. few more delays in construction, but we both had beer in market summer 2019. All right. So uh, I have a couple questions first. You, you know, you use the word craft uh, beer, so I, I need an explanation about what that is. And also I want to know, is there a style, like you guys are in Penticton, is that a different place to make beer than, say, Oliver or Vancouver or, or Kamloops? Ian? <laughs> well, it's, it's different with beer a little bit. We, uh, we're purchasing our, uh, our ingredients for the most part versus some of the wineries growing their, uh, their own ingredients every year. Um, but Okanagan, we say we've got our own, our own Okanagan vibe, for sure. We have lots of uh, very crushable light summer beers. We've got some excellent influence from the wine industry, so we have lots of beer-wine hybrids, that's, that sort of stuff up here, which has been, been great. Um, craft beer is a growing thing, as, as we've seen for the last 20 years, but for us it just means beer made with passion, made, beer made by people who care, not corporate beer, nothing full of preservatives, nothing like that. Personality and, and passion, I think that's the biggest thing. We all, we all love what we do. We all help each other out. Um, the camaraderie, um, everything in it. It's not anti-corporate by any means. We still need structure to run businesses because the you know logistics, supply chain, everything like that. It's, yeah. It gets pretty crazy, and especially with the, those two hundred something breweries now in the, in this province, as competitive. Uh, market as it is but it's said it's uh it's an odd one because we all still help each other out and we'll have a beer at the end of the day uh while still you know looking after each other's own brewery so yeah uh what about the kind the, like the kinds i say kinds or types of beer are you influenced by uh by uh beer makers in foreign countries or is it more about your you know what you see here or do you just come up with it on your own i'm, I'm kind of interested to know how these beers get born I mean, I, I think we all kind of have our own individual flair and, and, and styles that we like to make. Um, us personally take huge pride in our IPAs uh, and like making nice, big, but approachable IPAs and nice, clean, easy-drinking lagers. Um, there's a, 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 the newest brewery on the block, so to speak, are focused on traditional German-style breweries because that's what they're passionate about doing. Uh, mm. You guys make phenomenal dark beers. Um, 
Yeah, there's like there's a brewery that just makes fruit beers out here. Um, so it, it's no, I wouldn't say it's super indicative geographical of, of, of is that being what dictates what we make. Um, we've all got our own. I mean, there's so many different styles you can do now. We all like, we make some common styles here. I think like most of us make a an amber ale or a hazy pale ale and a good lager. Sure. Um, and then everything else kind of gets filled in by the creativity of of the brewing teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're speaking with Ian Dick. He's the co-owner of Cannery Brewing and Liam Payton, co-founder of Slackwater Brewing. Uh, I'm also interested now, like, uh, what, what's it like? Like, the breweries, uh, you have tasting rooms, uh, say, versus the wine tasting room. Is, is it similar or can you, is it an easy crossover for wine tasters to visit a brewery, I guess, is my question. I, I think it is. It's, it's very commonplace now to be for folks on their, their weekend wine tour to, to stop at a brewery, to stop at a cidery, to stop at a distillery. Um, is very commonplace. Uh, there is a lot of differences. Um, for example, we're open year-round, 365. Um, we're very family-friendly, uh, that yeah. kind of thing. We both have uh, fantastic full-time kitchens at both of our venues. Um, we have probably a bigger focus on carrying wine and cocktails and spirits at our place is a bit of a niche due to our liquor license and mm-hmm. um so we're we're more of uh, a big bar and entertainment venue that services as our tap room i guess and like canneries more of your kind of traditional grab a great beer at the bar hang out with your friends after work hang out in the yard kind of things so with every, every that's been said there's, there's eight of us now we've all got very different approaches to it. I mean, Highway 97's just gone to a bigger tasting room right now, right next door to Ian at Cannery. But beforehand, mm-hmm. it was like a counter and a couple tables, and you kind of walk in for your tasters and stuff. Um, same as Tin Whistle, the new owners, though, they open up the back with a big, beautiful seating area now. Um, yeah, especially in the summertime, there's, there's never enough seats in any of our venues, I think, in, the, in like <laughs> three months of the year. Well, that's kind of a good thing to report. Uh, do people visit, like, I know that they have these ale trails around, uh, is there like a, a Penticton ale trail then where people can go around and visit all of the different uh, breweries? There is indeed. I was a little local craft beer, or the Malt Mafia, as we coined <laughs> yesterday. That's really funny. When we were emailing back and forth, uh, finalizing the details for today, yesterday, we were at the Penticton Ale Trail, so there was a representative from every brewery. We met at Slackwater Brewing for a two-hour meeting about planning up our annual Penticton Beer Week and our annual, uh, like, local community collaboration beer that we do. Wow. I like that malt mafia. It's it's, it's weird to think that, like, you know, I I, I struggle to imagine all the wineries on the Naramata bench getting together for a civil beer, talking about doing stuff for the common good. Um, but yeah, we're well, there, well, like, uh, coffees and beers, figuring out how we can bring people to our beautiful town and enjoy all of our beers. Well, I wish you luck. I think it's it's always great to have that kind of collaboration. Listen, uh, we're almost upon us. Uh, our Labor Day weekend is a, will be upon us, and I'm wondering whether you could recommend each of you could recommend a beer that's suitable for uh, for the Labor Day weekend. Barley wines. <laughs> <laughs> Barley uh, wines. No, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, no, very, know. very strong beer. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the Okanagan, where summer's been a little later this year. Um, I'd probably say, I mean, 
we're actually having an event this weekend at Slackwater that celebrates local lagers and pilsners because we have uh-huh. some amazing lagers and pilsners. So if we have a nice, sunny, hot Labor Day, which, of course, I'd imagine everyone's hoping for, uh, yeah, I'd be going out and sampling all the amazing. We've got, like, Hellas lagers, Italian pilsners, light lagers, New Zealand pilsners, pseudo lagers, Kolsch's, Blondales, and mm. classic pilsners. There's, I think, every different type of lager beer. We've probably got a tick in the box in, our, in the beautiful South Okanagan, so... I Labor Day, I'll probably be crushing a few of those. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe some fruit sours. Yeah, it sounds that sounds good to me. I'm I'm I need to experiment anyway. So the the broader the the better. Hey, uh, before we let you go, as the, the you know, it's it'll soon be fall as well. Are, are there any events coming up uh, in in the fall in Penticton regarding beer? Penticton Beer Week. Penticton Beer Week. Okay, when is that? I believe it's the 15th to the 22nd of October, kicking off with the annual beer run, which is, I think last year's 300-something people. Um, they start up running on the Narramatta bench, and they run and have a little sample beer at every brewery in town, then end for oh, a nice wow. little party at the end. Super fun. I think that kicks off, and then uh, all the breweries in town, we all do little, you know, beer pairings, beer dinners, uh, tap takeovers. We... Uh, We'll be getting together in September and brewing our annual collaboration beer where all proceeds go to a chosen local charity. And we always release that at the cusp of beer week. Um, mm. Yeah, super fun. Like, so in that entire stretch, at least one of our breweries every single night is doing something fun, something beer related. Um, yeah, it's a blast. Well, that sounds fantastic. Uh, I know a lot of wine people will be up there in the fall, so if they want to take a break, they should check out uh, Penticton Beer Week uh, in the middle of the month. You'll probably get details at any uh, online brewery site uh, at the moment. They'll have that information. Yeah, probably be at, guys. At end of the month. It was a planning end of the session. month. Yes, end of the month, all that stuff will be out, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. No worries. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. Well, that was Ian Dick, co-owner of Cannery Brewing, and Liam Payton, he's the co-founder of Slack Water Brewing. Still more to come on the show, Robin Shea, the export manager for Poggio El Tesoro, he's going to join us. We're going to talk about one of my favorite regions in Italy, Bulgari. The show is available weekly on 20 radio stations across BC, and it's on demand on all the major podcast platforms. This is BC Food & Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the big city and relax in the beautiful and peaceful South Okanagan. Enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region, including 180 of BC's finest wineries, from Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to the Naramata Bench to Okanagan Falls and Skaha Lake's Heart of Wine Country, down to Oliver Osuyus Wine Country. For community information, wine regions, and more trip inspiration, visit southokanagan.com. It's time to create new memories in the South Okanagan you remember. Lively, delicious, and totally alcohol-free. Introducing Piquet Zero from Benjamin Bridge, a creative and unprecedented wine-style beverage. Discover the unique deliciousness of this new sensory experience. Golden sapphire in color with a blonde hue. The nose features zesty suggestions of key lime, blood orange peel, and lemon preserve with a balancing texture of tart cherries. And best of all, Piquet Zero is absolutely alcohol-free. For details, visit softcrush.ca. 
The most exciting club in the Okanagan is Summer Hills Organic Wine Club. When you become a member, you'll receive 24 bottles per year of sommelier-curated organic wines. Enjoy preferred pricing and free delivery. Plus, members earn double gratitude points, which gives 20% of each order back in your pocket. Get insider information on Summer Hill's new releases and special events. Enjoy the flavors of Summer Hill. Join the Organic Wine Club at summerhill.bc.ca. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. From our Save On Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back. Uh, our next guest is Robin Shea. He's the expert manager for Poggio El Tesoro. It's an estate on the western side of Tuscany in the charming region of Bulgari, it's one of my favorite places in the wine business to visit. Uh, and I don't know why other people don't rush there today because it's such a great spot uh, in any event. Uh, Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Great to have you here. Uh, Bulgari has a, not, it doesn't have a super long history, but it has a super Tuscan history. So maybe we can get a quick uh, rundown on Bulgari from you to, uh, to kick this off. Well, you know, I'm a kid from Napa Valley, and so I grew up, uh, you know, going up and down the Silverado Trail, and there's something about Bulgari that really reminds me of that that beautiful spot in the world, and that um, it's coastal, so there's a coastal influence. The soils are alluvial, and yep. uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, Cap Franc, really thrive there. Uh, Bulgari mm-hmm. um, is located within, you know, the greatest vineyards of Bulgari are within two miles of the coast. So um, it's closer than Napa is to San Pablo Bay, and it's, and it's closer um, to that kind of briny ocean uh, influence than Bordeaux. Yeah. And so the two of these things together kind of make these, these the, it's been called Italy's Napa Valley, but at the same time, there's something distinctly Mediterranean, very savory about the wines that come from here. Mm-hmm. Savory is the word, and I know I, I have I tried to explain that on the show many times. There's about three or four places that work for me, like Bulgari. Uh, if you taste a wine from Bulgari, you taste a wine from uh, the high altitudes in Argentina, uh, and you taste a wine from the South Okanagan. Uh, they all have this sort of savory uh, undercurrent, and it's one of the greatest components of wine for me because because it's it's just it it seems to pull everything else together: the fruit, the acid, the tannin which is always good, but to have the savoriness, this umami, I think that's what really sets the, this style of wine apart. I agree. I, I very rarely see Italians salt their food, and I think a lot of it's because some of their wines are so savory that, that that's why they're so food-friendly and they kind of bring out the best in, in food as, as a pinch of salt can on occasion. Yeah. Easy to sell Italian wine. Is it easy to sell uh, wines from Bulgari? Um. Well, um, no, it's actually, Bulgari is, is kind of a, it's a very popular and very uh, fashionable appellation at the time. But I, I find that there's something that's 
really controversial about the appellation because uh, frequently um, people say that Bordeaux varieties are planted in, yeah. in you know, Tuscan terroir, and, and then there's this idea that maybe, um, you know, there's some sort of Johnny-come-lately, this idea that we could produce wines, you know, to compete with Napa and Bordeaux in Tuscany. Mm-hmm. But Marlies Allegrini, the owner of Poggio Tesoro, always says, Robin, remember, it was the Italians that bought, brought the grapes to France, not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and so she and she's totally to right. remind me of the fact. Yeah, and, and she says that actually Cabernet Franc, which is one of our strongest plays at Poggio Tesoro and in Bulgari, um, was, is closely linked to an ancient uh, varietal which was cultivated on the Tuscan coast called Biturica over 2,000 years ago. So um, there is something very ancient to this 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 land of the vine, which is Italy. Although Bulgari's in Appalachian doesn't really come into being until kind of uh, the early '90s from a legal yeah. standpoint, and really mm-hmm. the 1967 vintage with the recognition of, of Sassicaia as a super Tuscan um, in, in in modern times. Yeah. Uh, our guest is Robin Shea. He's the export manager for Poggio El Tesoro, which is in uh, Bulgari in, on the Tuscan coast. Uh, well, you, you mentioned 2,000 years and, and plenty of uh, ancient connections for this wine. Let's talk about uh, today at Tesoro. How, how would you describe uh, Poggio El Tesoro and, and uh, its uh, raison d'etre in Bulgari? How, what's happening there? Well, well, first, the, the name itself, Poggio Tesoro, I always assumed uh, that, you know, it, you know, Poggio is hillside in Tuscan and Tesoro is treasure. And, and it wasn't until I had been working for the estate for 10 years that, that Marilise actually said, well, Robin, you know, the Tesoro isn't a reference to the terroir, which is one of Tuscany's most pricey and exclusive appellations right now. It's a closed appellation. There's only 1,300 hectares. 44 producers, uh, really, really qualitatively uh, focused appellation. She said, Tesoro is a reference to the female hereditary line of the Allegrini uh, family. And she referenced, you know, her own contribution. Marilisa has been dubbed as a, as a Cavaliere di Lavoro or knighted. That's basically knighted as a captain of industry by the Italian president. And, um, and her daughters, um, are also uh, involved in this estate, both of whom are very accomplished young women. One is a medical doctor, the other one's a PhD candidate in philosophy. And mm-hmm. Marilisa said that in the Allegrini family, there's always been a huge contribution of the female hereditary line to the success of the estate. Marilisa is a sixth generation owner, seventh generation. Uh, Carlota and Caterina are deeply involved in Pojo Tesoro. And, and really, what this estate is about is, um, you know, kind of pushing quality, but also as this young generation takes uh, more and more of an active role, uh, sustainability and uh, really focusing on leaving our lands in a better place than that which we found them for the next generation. Yeah, that's a fantastic. Uh, well, I, I met Marlisa many years ago in in uh, Italy. Very impressive woman at the time. She was she was uh, she was young at the time. Well, I mean, she's still young, but she she was very. Uh, very outgoing and very outspoken about what she was going to do in the wine business, and it seems like she's accomplished all of that and more uh, since then. Let's talk about this wine uh, in the market. The Il Seggio was in the market the 2018. I assume it's still around in restaurants and in private wine shops. It's sold out at the moment, but we'll be getting the 2019. What is Seggio? What's what's the blend there, and what can we look forward to in a wine like that? So Il, Il Seggio is a blend of 40% Merlot, 30 Cabernet Sauvignon, 
20 Cab Franc and 10 Petit Verdot. Those are the, the kind of classic uh, varietals mm-hmm. that you find in the Appalachian. Um, the the name El Sejo refers to a creek which runs uh, through called, uh, through the Appalachian of Bulgaria, and, and that creek, of course, left by uh, behind a lot of pebbles and that alluvial soil, which um, those Bordeaux varieties really love. Uh, Merlot, in particular, is an early ripening variety, and this was a wine uh, that we didn't make until the 2014 vintage, which was referred to as the summer that never was. It's because it was a cold, wet vintage, and um, we declassified most of our Grand Vans we have make a wine called uh, Sondraya, which is a Bulgari Superiore. Mm. And the Superiore appellation is that which carries the wines of Ornelia and Guadaltasso and all the Super Tuscans. And, and usually they're very, very expensive wines, and ours isn't an exception to that. But in the 14 vintage, we declassified about 65% of our wine. And we made this wine called El Sejo, which was Merlot-based, precisely because Merlot was our earliest ripener. And we released the wine on a whim, and um, it scores 98 points in the Tuscan Red of the Year by Decanter. And so we stumbled upon something, which was Merlot in cool vintages or replicating cool uh, climate conditions by night harvesting and really taking care of our Merlot can produce really lovely, elegant results. And, and also, uh, Italy's probably most expensive wine called Masetto is 100% Merlot and produced within... Yeah a few hundred yards of, of this particular creek. So Merlot has something to say in the Appalachian, even if Cabernet Sauvignon is the kind of king of the grapes in terms of uh, acreage planted. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. When you m- mentioned Masetto, you don't need to say anything to me. I, I'm, I'm To know that this wine is just uh, across the creek from that is fantastic. Uh well, that's a, uh, it's such a great place, uh, Bulgari. Also, it's a wonderful little, uh, tiny little village, a great place to eat. Of course, you mentioned the coast. Uh, you can go to the beach there. There's all kinds of things going on. It's, it's really kind of a nice getaway for people who spend too much time in Florence or Siena. I agree. It's, it's such a low-key uh, place, and there's some fantastic seafood restaurants along the coast there in Chechnya. And really, just a, it's, it's much kind of a less traveled uh, part of Tuscany. Mm-hmm. And then the town in this town of Bulgari, there's the great Enoteca Tognoni, which I'm sure you've been to, Anthony, which mm-hmm. is such a funny place because you hear these gentlemen, you know, coming in from the fields and, you know, these really heavy Tuscan accents and, um, you know, they, they want to drink a glass of Merlot. Uh, they're not interested in a glass of Sangiovese. And if you propose yeah. to them something from Chianti, they talk about, you know, how how bitter and sour it is. It's really funny because usually you don't hear that in a Tuscan accent, but these guys like their Merlot. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Great place. Robin, fantastic to catch up with you. I can't wait to uh, catch up with you again, perhaps in Italy, if not in Vancouver, uh, uh, sometime in the near future as we get away from this COVID uh, protocols and all the rest of it. I look forward to it. Thanks for joining us today on the show. We really enjoyed it. And we'll be looking for the Poggio al Tesoro, Il Seggio, and the Sondraia. These are uh, available in private wine shops around Vancouver and uh, should return to government stores as uh, supplies uh, uh, dictate, I guess. Thanks so much. Outstanding. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, thanks. That that was Robin Shea. He's the export manager for Poggio al Tesoro. And we've been talking about the DOC of Bulgari. Uh on the uh, coast of Tuscany. Still to come, Debbie Woodward, she's the owner of Privato Vineyard and Winery. That's not Italy.
That's British Columbia. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. The flavors of the region come alive at 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Enjoy lakeside dining inside or outside on the patio. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to offer up top-notch, seasonal, and locally inspired menus to complement the unmatched views of beautiful Lake Asuyas. For an unforgettable dining experience, 15 Park Bistro is the lakeside place to be. Now open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8. To find out more, visit 15parkbistro.com. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers collectors a safe, inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. They are experts in the field with the knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Summer in the Okanagan. Great food, fine wine, fabulous views. You can have it all at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher Restaurant in West Kelowna. Enjoy the stunning vistas while wine tasting outside on the patio. Or step inside the Modest Butcher for some delicious new summer dishes from the menu. Online tasting bookings and table reservations are recommended due to limited seating. Just go to mtboucherie and modestbutcher.com. Hello, I'm Anthony Gismondi, and after four decades in the wine business, I know that the wine you like is always the best one for you. Anyone who tells you differently is simply wrong. The trick is how to get there. My advice? Try as many different wines as possible to discover your favorites. We evaluate about 3,000 wines a year at GismondiOnWine.com to help you sort through the clutter in the market, and we make it easy to search through our results. After all, life is way too short to drink bad wine. So why not give us a go at GismondiOnWine.com? And now, a BC Food and Wine Radio Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Hello, British Columbia. Thanks for joining us today on the show. And joining us now is Debbie Woodward. She's the owner of Privato Vineyard and Winery, one of four wineries operating in the recently established Thompson Valley GI at some 50 degrees north in British Columbia. Debbie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you and a pleasure to talk a bit about the Thompson Valley since we don't... Uh, uh, talk to a lot of people from there. You got to be pretty excited to have uh, received the GI. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's uh, it's great for the four of us here um, to have had that given to us for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess it, what's important. I mean, it's new, but you're not so new in the business. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Provado and uh, how it all got got underway? 
Yeah, well, um, my husband and I, we purchased our property. Um, we have 80 acres in the Kamloops area. We purchased it in um, the late 80s um, with the hopes of, you know, that's where we, we wanted to raise our family on the farm. That was very important to us. And uh, John was in the uh, forest industry. He's got uh, a degree in forestry and I was an accountant. And we uh, started off by doing um, nursery trees, Christmas trees, we're kind of a household name in the local area for our Christmas trees. Have uh-huh. been for years. Um, but then after our boys, actually, they, they we did. We raised them. They um, kind of felt that we did the best thing that we could have done for, for them in their lives and got them a healthy start into their life. They went off to university, and we were just kind of like, well, what's next for us, you know? Um, lost all our farm workers. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we... Uh, uh, we were on a trip in Italy, and it's not like we hadn't seen uh, vineyards and wineries before, but uh, the seed was planted there. We were in Chicoterra, uh, mm. Italy, and um, it just uh, inspired us, and that's where the seed was planted, and hence uh, that was the name, uh, how we derived our name. It has uh, Italian uh, uh, remnants of uh, yeah, our of up there. Uh, so, yeah, we got started in 2010, and, uh, and we've been uh, yeah going ever since. And then what was kind of ironic was that, you know, as, as you know, we got going a little bit uh, further and uh, had a conversation with the boys when they came home one weekend and said, well, you know, we're not getting any younger and don't want to, they were having great careers and uh, they're all three of them are engineers, but, you know, we kind of need to know what your plans might be. And oddly enough, uh, surprised us both that they, they all three of them wanted to come back to the farm in some form or fashion. That's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't long <laughs> after that that actually Adam, our, our uh, middle son, um, wanted to leave uh, where he was at, and he they began uh, Woodward Cider Co. So we have that on our property as well, too. So it's kind of a family operation. With uh, Now the boys are back. Adam is doing most of the production now. John's still the winemaker, but Adam is, uh, is following mm. up in his heels. And, uh, yeah, they're all involved. So that is a great story. Our, our guest is Debbie Woodward. She's the owner of Provado Vineyard and Winery, uh, co-owner, I guess, along with John. Uh, Debbie, what uh, what are some of the challenges of, of being, uh, well, I don't mean a challenge of being in Kamloops or the Thompson, but you're not in the Okanagan, so is it is it mm-hmm. easy to attract people, or how does that work? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, we knew, all, all of the wineries knew that uh, we formed the Kamloops Wine Trail, uh, because we knew it would be a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, Kamloops isn't traditionally known as uh, as a tourist destination, although Tourism Kamloops has done an amazing job of uh, promoting the area, and a lot of people are coming to us now. But you're right. I mean, when they, people think of wine, if they're going for wine, that they're, they're going to the Okanagan. Right. But if they're, um, but more and more people are coming here for wine. Um, and, you yeah, know, that's... Uh, through a lot of the work that we've done with, uh, in partnership with Tourism Kamloops and the Kamloops Wine Trail. Hmm. And Trish well, when I meet a lo- especially, which I'm sure you know really well. Yeah. Uh, when I meet a number of first-generation uh, wine folks who are handing it over to the kids or, you know, the kids are moving into the business, I always, when I ask that question, they say, well, you know what, that's not going to be my problem soon. It's going to be their issue to, uh, <laughs> yeah, to uh, you know, true. we got the place started. They're going to have to sell it to sell the stuff now. And, and I yeah. think that's, that's fair enough. 
so yeah. maybe I'll save that question for them. Hey, what what about if people? How would you describe what you're producing at Provado? What what type of wine, and what would people uh, encounter if they came to visit the winery? Yeah, well, we started off. Um, our focus was on the Burgundy wines, so mm-hmm. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay okay. is our main focus. Um, but we do. Um, um, we have ventured into Merlots as well, too. So, and of course, we've got some Gewürztraminer, Pinot, uh, Pinot Gris, and some Rosé, and we have a Bubbly, of course, as well, too. And, uh, yeah. Well, you're, you're, you know, you're situated, uh, you're just, I think you're about 15 and a half degrees north, somewhere around there on the property, mm-hmm. which is a latitude that a lot of the wine world is seeking and can't have. Mm-hmm. So I, I mm-hmm. think that things will only intensify as we move through the next couple of decades, because 50 degrees north is where the best wines are going to be made in the world. So it's quite a, mm-hmm. it's it was quite a uh, ingenious of you to set up in in the Thompson. Hmm. Well, it's uh, it, it definitely is not without its challenges right now. That's for sure, and we hope it'll get better, as you say. But uh, you know, I mean, we have those extreme uh, swings and temperatures in early fall yeah. and uh, late spring, which is certainly proven challenging for us, for sure. Well, you know what they say, it's it's fun to be in the middle, but it's uh, way more exciting to be out on the edge. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, on the edge, yeah. <laughs> and so are the wines, so uh, that, yeah. that should work out fine. Hey, so what can, uh, how does it work if people want to come and visit you? Do they need reservations, or how, what, what, what's in store for them when they actually visit the winery? Yeah, um, so we um, really have uh, worked very hard to make it a really welcome, uh, warm, welcome, sort of a zen environment for our guests when they come. So we've developed these gardens that we host um, um, music events at and weddings at, uh, but uh, the space and area around our tasting room has a a lovely shaded patio so people can escape the intense Kamloops heats. But Mm. yes, we, we do have a reservation system. We highly recommend reservations. But we certainly, um, if, if uh, we certainly will accept everybody um, if we have uh, space for them. Hmm. And uh, in terms of buying wine, coming from, pardon me. Sorry, I mean in terms of buying wine too. I know you can obviously buy on site. Do you have a wine club as well that people can access? Or? Yeah, we do. We have a really robust wine club, and uh, yeah, we're um, it's very popular, and we have regular events for our wine club members. Uh, one coming up uh, in a week or so, um, which are very well attended and very much appreciated by our guests and us as well as we celebrate our members for sure. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, and our wine is available in, all over BC and um, the cider is available in, in uh, Alberta as well. So yeah. you're all set. Uh, now I want to know: Have cool. you been back to Have you been back to Italy since you, you uh, opened the winery? I have not. I have not. I've never <laughs> I knew had it. the time. Since I knew it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Where would you get I the time? I would love nothing better but to go back to Italy. But yeah, it's, uh, and we will. We will get there. But, uh, but no. Yeah, it's, you can uh, send the boys pictures. Industry. You can send those boys yeah. pictures of Italy now. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Listen, uh, great to catch up with you and to hear a little bit about uh, the Pravado. Uh, people who are traveling, uh, you know, it's not far off the road. If you're heading up uh, the Coquihalla and you're going through Kamloops, uh, very easy to jump off there and get over and visit the winery. And it's not much of a drive either from the Okanagan. So uh, 
People should mm-hmm. consider stopping more and more in the Thompson Valley. There's plenty to offer there in terms of exciting wines, as I say, growing on the edge. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. You're very welcome. Yeah, great talking to you. Debbie Woodward, she's the owner of Provado Vineyard and Winery, along with her husband, John. Now, up next, there's plenty more to go. We're not done yet. DJ Kearney, she was a panel leader at the National Wine Awards of Canada. We're going to talk about something interesting this afternoon, bronze medals, the medals that wineries don't want to talk about. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. Join us next time for another Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature. Liber's terroir-focused small lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club to receive delivery of award-winning wines, new releases in spring and fall, early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Liber Farm and Winery looks forward to hosting you in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at liberfarm.com. Simply great wines. Refreshing, relaxing, romantic. Get away to Therapy Vineyards and stay at their modern, comfortable, and spacious boutique inn. Experience your moment of awe from the balcony of your room while taking in the panoramic views of the vineyards and Okanagan Lake. Capture the essence of the grape growing season while luxuriating at your home base for wine tours. Oh, and did we mention award winning wines? Book your relaxing retreat or perfect couples getaway today at therapyvineyards.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visitpenticton.com. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. We're back with a special shout out to listeners on Bounce Radio stations across the province, including Prince Rupert. And in Vermeer, our guest now is none other than global wine expert DJ Kearney. DJ's a highly accomplished WSET instructor, and of course she's the director of wine at the Terminal City Club. She joins us today, though, as a panel leader from the National Wine Awards. DJ, welcome to the show. Oh, baby, baby. Thank you, Oh, Tony. baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic to be here talking with you. Um, we had such a fabulous judging week didn't we and uh, we so sure much, did so much to parse and talk about and think about and such a great laundry list of wines for our wine loving audience in the province to enjoy it was special times 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you're one of my funnest judges, as I like to say. Uh, you know, some judges can be pretty miserable. Uh, <laughs> you have the right tact for it. But, uh, you know, we have talked a lot about the awards. I talked with uh, Lorison uh, about the awards, and I also talked with, uh, sorry, David Lorison, and I also talked uh, with our Penticton friend, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Moss, Oh, uh, but when but when I asked you to talk about the award, you said to me something really unusual. I want to talk about the bronze medals. <laughs> that just goes so along with my positive, fun side, Tony. Yeah, um, so let's start there. Let's start there. You know, I've been lucky enough to judge with you for two decades now and do a lot of judging uh, around the world. I've run a really interesting wine competition for consumers for years and years and I always think about pleasure and value and and quality as well but you know when judging the and and maybe this is something that listeners and consumers don't know is that actually finding the great wines is the easiest part of it they announce themselves great wines just stand out Mm -hmm. Um, to me the difficulty comes and this is where you know, the experience and leadership and, and sort of intellectual rigor comes in separating out the silvers and the bronzes and the no medals. And there are a lot of wines that are entered in this competition, which is fantastic. Our winemakers are getting very confident across the country to put their wines in for benchmarking, and uh, hopefully they learn from the results. But, you know, when you are trying to identify a really well-made wine that deserves a bronze medal, uh, it's, you know, it takes work and it's a really good thing. The results are fantastic. You know, there's something about that wine that has distinguished it. It set itself apart from others, um, and uh, they're notable. They have merit, and they often represent good value as well. And I know, you know, bronze, we've just had the Commonwealth Games, and, you know, bronze is, is third best, but that's still special in a pool of really great wines and a lot of them. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, we get pushback from wineries say, well, why do you even give out bronze? Why don't you just stick to silver and gold? And, uh, you know, it's nice if you're at the top, but if you're trying to get to the top, uh, there's a way to get up there. You've got to work your way up. And uh, exactly. a bronze is a nice recognition, especially for young winemakers and new wineries. Uh, for them, just getting into the into the inner circle is a great step. Yeah, we have to. We have to break this negative thinking about bronze medals. They, you know, they're, they matter. And they mm-hmm. are, as you just said, it's a roadmap. I would love people who won a bronze medal to look at the silvers in their particular, you know, style or, or grape uh, bracket and see what are they doing? What could I do differently? Is it something about farming? Do I need to tighten up wine a little less oak, a little more precision? You know, they, there's a reason that you've got a panel of judges assessing these wines with fabulous experience in palates. And mm-hmm. I think there's so much confidence that consumers can have in bronze metal wines. They, they do matter, but you know, that it also speaks to the incredible ambition and desire of our winemakers. They want to do well and they want to be recognized for their wines, but we need to do more to celebrate bronze metal wines. Yeah. Our guest is DJ Kearney. She has been and was or is a panel leader at the National Wine Awards of Canada for many, many years. 
Uh, she's also uh, the director of wine at the Terminal City Club here in Vancouver and uh, runs a thriving uh, wine club out of there as well. Uh, DJ, I, I, it's your impressions of the, you know, I try to tell people, you know, of course, the wine is getting better every year, but what's your impression of, of what you've seen when you take these snapshots every year? How, how do you see it today? Oh, my goodness. I, I see incredible improvements. You know, there's there's more confidence that shows in the wine. There's more uh, varietal clarity. Um, the wines are better balanced. There's restraint. There's less oak. I see a group of winemakers who have been tasting a little more broadly internationally. I think you and I know that it matters so much that winemakers have a palate that gets them out of their cellar mm-hmm. and recognizes what's going on in the rest of the world. And the more the more educated and enlightened you are as a, as a winemaker and also as a farmer, as a viticulturalist, I think that just helps with the expression. We, What I note is we're understanding our wine regions much better. Um, we, we know now in the way that we didn't 20 years ago, that understanding uh, soils and, and you know, how the grapes grow, how they respond to, uh, to our microclimates really matters and it shows and we're letting that expression come out. So yeah. there's just been a massive, massive improvement in quality over the last 20 years and I'd say especially over the last five years yes um, yes and, exactly and what i was saying that, that it's just taken off in the last five years the finesse that's showing up and one of the other things for me is latitude uh you know we see this year in both the the uh, overall winery of the year and the best small winery they're both north latitude wineries exactly. not all the wines but but the focus and so we learned i mean those pinot noirs that were growing in Asoyus are gone and uh, now they're in Lake Country, and the the, the this, you know the overnight difference is just amazing. Absolutely, and that's really the intimacy that we're developing as we mature uh, as a as a wine region, as a wine province, and we're just getting more specific and more particular. And it just shows in the most dazzling way. It yeah. was, you know, the great wines are so exciting. And even when I look at the bronze medal list, <laughs> there's so many exciting wines. Uh, that that are on those, and yeah. you know, there there's some that I think um, I, I look at that and I think, oh well, there'll definitely be a silver next year. You can see the caliber uh, building and showing in them. But wow, those bronze lists are fantastic. You can just close yeah. your eyes and point, and uh, even better for the value wines. Well, you just came back from Australia. You judged in one of the biggest wine shows in the world there in, in Sydney. Uh, what do you think? How are we measuring up? Well, we're measuring up really, really well. You know, Australia has been making fabulous wines for a long time. Um, The perception is that they do really well at the cheap and cheerful, cuddly end of the spectrum for reds and whites. And, you know, they did come to market with a very, very competitive (laughs) product and, and fill the shelves and wine sell easily. But their top wines are spectacular. But while I was tasting them for a week, I was always benchmarking them in my mind, especially our, the ones that really represent BC well now, which is uh, Chardonnay, Chardonnay and Riesling yeah. and Pinot and, and Syrah. And, you know, we're com- they're the cooler climate wines from their regions 
are absolutely on par with ours and and the and vice versa. And what's great about Australia is they've been challenging their wines with this competition for well, it's about two hundred years mm-hmm. <laughs> now, and uh, and that's something that that judging really yeah. reveals. The single and, premise and there was to to make. You know, to uh, call improve the breed, improve, improve the, the breed. breed. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, improve DJ, it's it's uh, uh, you know, the long weekend is upon us, a Labor Day long weekend, uh, and I thought I would just ask you for a few best value wines, uh, perhaps from the National Wine Awards. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, how about what that? A, what a- great list and you know when we think about great value it's sort of under $25 and uh, we've got some stunners I want to start mentioning something really close to to Vancouver and that is Domaine de Chabertin just a little drive out into uh, into the valley and they had the Fraser Valley and they had three wines that just excelled the uh, 2021 Sigareba uh, a Gamay and a Gewurztraminer, and they're yeah. all around twenty dollars. They go from silver to gold scores, and you know sometimes we just overlook what is close to us uh, when we live in Vancouver and we, you know, think about Okanagan and Simokamine. But you know they've been making wine for decades at Domaine de Chabertin, and they have that 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 tribal knowledge now. Um, I want everyone to try the Sigareba, right? This is a great, yeah. it's hard to say, it gets overlooked so for Riesling, but it's delicious. You know, Gamay, um, the price of this Gamay benchmarked against great ones in the Okanagan, the quality is is nuts at Chabertin. And yep. the Gewurztraminer, it's something that's beautifully, you know, fleshy. It's for, for all kinds of luxurious seafood and pork. Uh, so that caught my eye. Um, the other one that I love, and, you know, I'm putting on my kind of my chef hat here because, you know, I love to cook Tony, mm-hmm. uh, is the La Friends 2021 Riesling, the Clone 49. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So gold medal wine, 2150. And this is a great example of how a little, you know, going in that off-dry, fruity direction can be so satisfying and so balanced. Mm. You know, we, we know so many great Rieslings come from BC, from Tantalus to Martin's Lane uh, as two of the benchmarks. But the Lafrenz, this version, which has quite a bit of sugar in it, and I know people fear sweetness in Riesling, but it's balanced and it's yeah. just succulent and rich. This clone comes from Alsace where they just excel at this style. And if you want to have some delicious, you know, pork chop with some peach salsa, some sable fish, a really rich fish with a little bit of, of smokiness, this is the wine. <laughs> and Indeed. it's not going to cost you a fortune <laughs> and it punches so high above its weight. <laughs> Are you hungry? I'm starving and we're out of time. So it's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to go and eat. Hey, Deep, thanks so much for your insight on the awards. And we didn't mention, but you worked so hard in training the young new judges, bringing them on as well uh, under a a program where we try to elevate uh, new people into the business. So we thank you for that. And uh, listen, let's catch up again. Let's have a chat soon. Let's let's talk again about more value wines uh, after Labor Day um, and get into some some reds as well. Uh, Tony, it's been fantastic. Thanks so much.
Thank you. Hey, that's it for today's show. Special thanks to our production team, including uh, our Vancouver technical producer, Dwayne Bishop, assignment producer, Sherry Caleb, and our director of operations, Stu Ferguson. For all of us at the show, we wish you a satisfying Labor Day long weekend. And don't forget, we're back on the road next week, live from Mission Hill Family Estate in West Kelowna. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and you have been listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. That's it for today's show. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 